Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. I am set. I'm excited. Man, I'm so excited. We got our first fan mail. That's amazing. Yeah, we got two fan mails. Fan mails. I know. Hey, you guys should send us fan mail if you're listening. If you like what you're hearing. I think even if you don't like what you're listening to. <laughs> That's probably more helpful, actually, if you don't like what you're if listening they, if to. If they to send us, us happy things about even though they don't like it. Is that what you're saying? No. What? <laughs> Sorry, we only accept good feedback. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, Even if you don't like it, send us good feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Help build our egos. That's yeah. what we want. So, happy Easter, guys. Happy Easter to you, my yeah, friend. This is great. The is risen. Hallelujah. Yeah. We had he is a, truly risen or risen indeed. What what is the proper response? I take your pick. Oh, okay. As long as we're acknowledging that our Lord Jesus is risen, I think we're okay. Yeah, that's great. That's we good. We can news. say Alleluia now. Alleluia. Mm, My kids so love that. They would. They ran around all through Lent. We told them at the beginning that you can't say the Alleluia word. And so they the would always word. be like, that's what they would say. They're like, dad, I can't say the, you can't say the A word. Dad, you know what word we can't say? We can't say the A word. I'm like, I know. And they're like, they'll start mouthing it. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. They're like, oh, but I want to. <laughs> and so then Easter and all Easter week, they've been running around yelling, Alleluia, after like every prayer. It's fantastic. Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh man. The, the, I was at the church one afternoon and, and the little kids that were practicing for Easter Sunday mass, like the singers, they were practicing singing the Alleluia, but it was Lent. And they were just oh, like, no. we have to, we have to practice singing the A word. And it was funny. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. That's they're so cute. Good. Yeah. But now it's totally cool to say Alleluia. That's and right. Until next Lent, which, you know. But anyways, um, yeah. welcome to Vici Mundum, everyone, uh, for another excellent episode. Hopefully it's excellent. The Holy Spirit is in charge, so I have a feeling it'll be excellent. But my name is uh, Anthony Ferguson. I'm a seminarian assigned here on pastoral year at Our Lady Mount Carmel, and, uh, with me today in the Vici Mundum studio, which is currently my office, is Austin Farenholt, the uh, Director of Advancement. Hey, folks. And then uh, Ken White, the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry. Hello, hello. And we're very excited to have you. Uh, thanks for listening. Today, uh, we're going to talk about a topic that uh, that I really like. feel... I, I, I hesitate to say that I like it because it's a terrible topic, but... Um, I think it's an important one. I don't and know. It kind of bores me, to be honest with you. Does it bore? Why do you say that? I mean, it's just a boring topic. Boring, huh? Oh, well, maybe Austin's trying to be coy because we talked about what we we're going to talk about. Uh, the topic for today is the deadly sin of Asadia. Now, you guys know what Asadia is? Well, I have read some of the book that you're talking about, so I have an idea. Ken, are you familiar with the... I mean, I have an idea, but I, I wouldn't say I could give a... a a quick definition. So would you supply that for me? Well, so that... before you do, it's funny that you say deadly sin because uh-huh. I would learn that there are only seven deadly sins and Asadia is not one. That word is not one of them anyway. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, so the desert fathers, uh, before the concept of seven deadly sins came up into the conversation, uh, the, the desert fathers would talk about rather eight deadly thoughts and, and the eight deadly thoughts, um, they kind of correspond to the seven deadly sins. So the eight deadly thoughts are uh, gluttony, greed, sloth, sorrow, lust, anger, vainglory, and pride. And sorrow. That's so, fascinating. Yeah. So the sorrow is kind of what we're talking about today. So uh, Austin alluded to the fact that he's reading a book about Asadia. And um, the book is called The Noonday Devil, Asadia, the Unnamed Evil of Our Times. And so 
Asadia is um, the heart of it is spiritual sorrow. Hmm. So, like when you hear the words spiritual sorrow, what what comes to mind? Uh, I mean, probably both good things and bad things. Like spiritual sorrow, I think of like Our Lady of Sorrows, maybe, but I don't uh-huh. think that's accurate. What you're going for, but um, uh, I, what do you think, Ken? I, I think, like you said, there's a sort of a positive and a negative to that because when I think of the positive side of spiritual sorrow, I think of the fact that we're supposed to be understanding that this is not our home and that we're meant for heaven and for the kingdom. And so to to have the sorrow that we're not there yet is something that's actually positive. But then I think also of maybe... Um, I sometimes think of sorrow when you when you brought up that it was one of the eight deadly thoughts, so to speak, that sometimes it can be really self-centered when we start like, oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. And it's not an authentic uh, sadness, but sort of a I deserve better because I'm worth something kind of sorrow. And it's an ego booster. So that's, that's what comes to me. I don't know if that's where you're going with that but, well, uh, but spiritual me, sorrow right yeah, yeah so spiritual sorrow let me uh let me provide for you thomas aquinas's definition of asadia um he says that asadia is sadness about spiritual good or he also des- describes it as a disgust with activity so it so to understand asadia it's related with sloth with with the sin of sloth and it's it's actually kind of become you know scooped up into sloth and when people think of you know, what a sadia is, they often say, oh, well, that's like, that's what slothfulness means. It just means being like lazy. But there's two parts to this. But, but there's, there's, it's deeper. So a sadia has that spiritual component of actually being sad when confronted with the greatest good, which is God, which is God's life. So, mm-hmm. so a sadia is being apathetic, bored, lazy, sad, agitated at, at the prospect of being in God's presence, which is, which is a horrifying <laughs> It's a horrifying thing, but I, I, when I see like a lot of the people around and just like in my daily interactions, like I, I can see it in people's eyes that they're like they're hungry for more, but they're they're kind of sad. They they're not they don't have joy in their in their eyes. So I don't know. What, maybe what's I'm just kind of well. What's an ex- can can we give like a concrete example of of what that is? Like, what does it mean to be sorrowful of spiritual things? Well, in the in the desert father tradition. Um, so basically they, they describe it as the noonday devil, which is the name of this book. Actually, they describe it as the noonday devil because it's when the, the sun is at its peak. So when the sun is at its highest, when it's actually the brightest, like when, when there are no shadows, when, when it's the, the brightest part of the day is when you're the laziest. Hmm. So it, in regard to spiritual good. So it's like when you're in the face of God, the, the greatest good you were you were left apathetic. So the the, the uh, monks in the desert they would say that they're struggling with the noonday devil, and uh, a very tangible thing that the, the directors would tell them to do is stay in your cell, don't run away, stay in the light, because asadia makes you want to run away, it makes you want to flee from God. An example that comes to mind, I think, that works well with what you're talking about is Father Mike Schmitz shared in one of his homilies. I was watching one of his homilies on YouTube. And he talks about this gentleman who was in a country where he was getting uh, persecuted for his faith. And he knew where mass was being said. And he got caught by the authorities and they were torturing him for days 
to reveal uh, where mass took place and the details about mass, and he wouldn't give it up. I mean, he was willing to die uh, to keep that a secret. And he ended up uh, getting, I think he was released, and then he escaped to America. And he started out going to mass every day, going to Sunday mass, because now he could do it in freedom. But as his work and life started to get busier, he stopped dropping daily mass. And then he stopped dropping Sunday mass. And so it was through sort of the natural progression of busyness. And in a sense, he had all the freedom to be in the light. He could go to mass whenever he wanted every single day. And it was in this that he started to drop away versus when he was willing to die for it when he could barely get a chance to go to mass. So that, that comes to mind when you're talking about this because he had all of the opportunity and something happened there where he just, a part of him slowly got bored, I guess. Yeah. Why would we ever like, if, if God is all that is good, why would we ever experience Asadia? Am I saying that right, Asadia? Well, I, I think what Ken was getting at hits at, at something that, that we're all plagued by, I think, as, as kind of Americans, uh, is that hyperactivity. Like the fact that our schedules are so crammed full, there isn't a lot of space for us to just rest in God's presence. Hmm. So like, so hyperactivity, actually, it's, it's both a symptom of Asadia and something that leads us into it, I would say. So when we get caught into this rhythm where all we do is like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? We numb ourselves to be really open to the reality of God's presence in our life. And so we start feeling like we have to fill it up with those things. And so we start grasping, grasping. We've talked a lot about grasping on this, on this podcast. It seems. <laughs> we I don't know. It's something that we do as sinful humans, as broken, broken people. Um, so yeah, just, just, uh, trusting that God will meet us in the midst of inactivity and just trusting that he's going to like be present to us. If we stop for half a moment, uh, it's, it's unnerving to us. Cause we're like, but, but we won't be doing anything. We have to do something. Um, fear of missing out of something else. Oh uh, yeah. Say. That's a big one. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I mean, I, I can certainly relate to it having experienced before, you know, I try to keep a routine of prayer, but there are some mornings when I sit down to pray and, it's like, I don't want to do this. I want to find something else, you know, anything to do other than to pray. Um, but even though intellectually I know that one of the best things, well, probably the best thing I can do in the morning right now at this time is pray. I'm still like, I'll kind of like shuffle around the kitchen, you know, make some coffee, maybe wait for it to drip and like put off going to pray. It's really fascinating. The whole idea of acedia because you start to like consider your thoughts. It's like, why am I putting off prayer? Why am I putting off God? Why why am I putting up a hand and saying, no, uh, Jesus, I'd rather do something else right now when Jesus is our greatest good? In some ways, it's kind of nice to know that there is this thing called Asadia. Like, it's been named, you know? The demon's been named mm-hmm. Asadia. And, um, and so there must be some ways to combat it. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys want to, you guys want to, like, kind of dive into some of the the antidotes to Asadia, you think? Do you think we kind of explained what it is well enough? I yeah, think we have. Well, one other thing I wanted to bring up. So not yeah. only is it is it sadness with regard to God, like sadness to God as like an external, like the person of God. It's also a sadness of towards our own greatness, towards our own dignity. Oh, that's interesting. So it's it's like a sadness, like we almost feel like the fact that we're called to holiness is a burden. 
Mm. It's like a great burden. Um, and so we, we become sad at the fact that God has called us to be great. Wow. It isn't all of this because we're fallen human beings. Again, not beings like the beings that you eat, but beings, <laughs> fallen human <laughs> beings. And that... We're fallen garbanzo beans. <laughs> We're fallen garbanzo beans. Ken's got a little and, bit of a cold. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> as fallen garbanzo beans, we naturally our pride is going to take over, and I see pride in both of those examples that you've been that you gave. Both the putting off, like I just I don't want to pray right now. It's sort of like a, I am the authority here. Um, I don't want to take a step back and recognize the obedience that I'm given. And then on the flip side of the dignity, I I become holy. I am the one who becomes a saint, and therefore the burden is too great for me when really the focus should be on God helping me to become a saint, me cooperating, me giving myself over and, and re- really relaxing into his arms and letting him take us to holiness. So to me, it seems that the root of all of this is a pride. Mm. I think you're right. I mean, because it's, it's scary to surrender, right? So, uh, absolutely. So if we think we're in control of, of our holiness, if we think it's something that we have to do, um, then it's scary. I mean, there is an element that we have to, we have to do something. Um, but to think that ultimately we're responsible for, uh, earning our way or somehow that's scary. Like, do, do I have to pick up that huge cross that Jesus carried and carry it all the way up and get crucified to it? Holy smokes. And what happens when we feel sad towards that? What happens when we feel overwhelmed or just overpowered by that? And just like, Oh, it's all up to me. I'm, I'm never going to be able to do that. And we begin to run away from ourselves. Yeah. We begin to run away from God because we know we instinctively know that that's impossible for us. But nothing is impossible for God's grace. And so that's the, that's the predicament. Somebody that's suffering from asadia is trying to run away from the very person who's going to be able to help them achieve what they're afraid of, achieve what they're sad about, right? Yeah. Right. And von Balthasar um, implies that that is our way of trying to control something rather than letting completely go and letting God take over our lives. Yep. Like that, that, that idea of this is too burdensome for me, or I, I have to go and grab that cross. We now have taken control of what God ultimately has control over. Yes. And that's why the, the recurring advice of all of the spiritual masters was stay put, don't run away. Like, just trust that God will help you persevere. Um, that's the thing over and over. It's like, don't flee the arena. You know, like in the Colosseum, like when the martyrs were like in the in the Colosseum, like in the arena and, and like, you know, instead of running away, they stayed put. They they stood their ground and they showed that they were strong in the Lord and they weren't strong. And they would be the first ones to say that I am weakness, like I'm not anything without God, but by the power of God's like life, like through the sacraments, by the power of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, they were able to stand firm and and persevere like the perseverance of the saints right that's that's what it's all about i think that's brilliant advice too to to stand firm and to stay put because it's very challenging when you try to develop a prayer life 
and maybe you experience some of that acedia and you don't you don't experience God in the way that you were hoping to, uh, the way you, you kind of had in your mind that you wanted to experience God. Um, countless times, uh, I know folks, um, even myself have done it where it's like, man, I'm just not, it's, this isn't working. You know, mm-hmm. it's not doing what I want it to. So just going to abandon it and, and run away from it for a while. Maybe that's not even a conscious thought, but that happens. Um, and so that advice from our des- the Desert Fathers to say, stay in your cell and keep fighting. I mean, that's a huge part of the prayer is to fight your desire to throw it to the wind. You and know? trust that fruit will come. Even if yeah. it's, I mean, that's part of the challenge. And, and this book, um, the book, The Noonday Devil, it's by Jean-Charles Nault, if you want to look it up. It's great. Excellent book. But he talks about how there's both a spatial component to a sadia and also a temporal component so like space and time and we feel space wise like we gotta we gotta run away from god we gotta keep on the move we have to go travel to spain we gotta go to world youth day we gotta go to steubenville atlanta we gotta go to like this that and the other shopping center in order to stay away from the fact that we can't stand to be alone with ourselves and uh, so that's space wise, but there's also the time component to it, too. And we feel like if we have to wait for God, it's going to take forever and we can't wait for that. So we want to, like, get what we want now. And so we run away from God in a time wise time sense as well. So just waiting for God and trusting that fruit will come, even if it's going to I mean, it's on God's time. Ultimately, it's not on ours. It's hard to let go of control in that way. Right. And we live in a culture of right away. Like I think if there's anything that I want to buy, I can get it within two days, right? Amazon Prime, free shipping, it's here. And Amazon they ship on Sundays, right? And come it'll on. it'll come right at it'll be right at my door. I don't have to wait for it at all. I don't have to go anywhere. I just have to go online, click buy, and it's there. Yeah, right. And we live in this culture that's so like, give it to me now. And the spiritual life is about. God working throughout our entire lives to make us holy. And what does he say in scripture? I mean, he says, be still and know that I am God. He doesn't say run to the next thing and then find me there. You know, go run off to this place, go over here, go into the chapel. Going to the chapel is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Going to those places are good things. But ultimately we need to be still. Our hearts need to be still and just know that he's God. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a quote by Blaise Pascal. Uh, it's pretty awesome. It's, he says that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> all of all of the problems that we see, it's it comes from the fact that we can't just be alone and be at peace. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what Asadia does, though. It, it creates this interior like instability. An interior agitation. And and what God wants to bring us is is peace. He wants to bring it. Like when Jesus like when Jesus is raised from the dead and he comes and passes through the locked doors, the first thing out of his mouth is is peace. Hmm. Peace be with you. Like God wants to give us peace. He wants us to be able to rest in him. Asadia makes us want to like run and be agitated and unstable and anxious. So practically speaking, then um, and also I want to, I'm, I'm curious because I think I know what you mean, but when you say desert fathers, can you, can you clarify exactly who you're talking about when you're referring to them? And then maybe what is, 
we've talked about that we need to stay into it, but what's a practical example of we're feeling this, we're putting off, we're letting our coffee drip as long as it takes to not have to go pray. Um, like what? And I, I love that example because I experienced that too, Austin, the same kind of like, okay, let me just wait. I, I got to do this other thing first. Oh, yeah. Um, like what's the practical stain in it that we need to do? Mm. Something that, that just immediately comes to mind because it's something I struggle with. It's really like maybe it's a nerdy example, but like I tend to have like 20 books being read at the same time and I never finish them. <laughs> I understand that. You know, or maybe at work we have like lots of ideas and projects running around in our head and maybe we just need to like abandon ourselves to one project and do it well. And really just trust that God's going to work within that one thing. And and rather than filling up our heads with all these anxious, like, worries and stuff. Um, I don't know. But what was your other question? You said something. Desert Fathers. Oh, the Desert Fathers. Yeah. So quite simply, I would say that, I mean, it seems like the way that they're usually described is uh, they're these early, early monks that basically wanted to go into the desert. This was after Christianity was legalized. It's only like a few hundred years into christianity right yeah but like so the early early church was so persecuted and like pushed to the brink of extinction and was strong because of that right like they they stood up in the arena they didn't flee the arena but um you know once christianity was legalized by constantine there was a desire to to kind of um to enter into spiritual combat which which wasn't as easy to find because it was suddenly legal to be Christians and it was a lot easier to be a Christian. So you find you find these men that go off into the desert alone and then people see that they're growing in holiness and start following them and and so you have this collection of of desert father sayings. They're kind of they were basically hermits, like hermits yeah. and monks and they're brilliantly wise um and and in their steadfastness and faith. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you were talking about uh, combating it right beforehand. Um, like fighting Asadia? Yeah. We, weren't we talking about that, the ways to do that? Yeah. Do you have any other ideas on how to how to fight it off? Just lost my train of thought. We're, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to cut this part out. <laughs> no, I think this is great. No, this is I, real. We're, we're real here at This is real. I guess what comes to mind, especially in the example of like putting putting prayer off or I've got to do this one other thing first is um, recognizing first, recognizing that that's happening, right? Cause we can so easily convince ourselves that we really do have to do this other thing first and we're not recognizing and naming that it's a sadia. And then also just sitting down and praying, even though you don't feel like it, like even if nothing's going to come out of that prayer that you can see, right? Because oftentimes when I'm in that situation, I'm like, well, gosh, maybe I should pray at a different time today because I'll be more open to what I receive. Instead of just continuing to develop the habit, sit down, read some spiritual reading, and maybe nothing will come of it except the fact that I sat there and gave God 20 minutes. You know, one of my favorite saints um, that I like to think about, particularly during the workday, is St. Isidore the Farmer. Um, his story is incredible. This guy was amazing. So, um, he was a farmer and worked with a bunch of other farmers. Um, and the, his fellow farmers one day went to the master farmer, you know, the guy who oversaw them and said, look, this guy Isidore is not doing anything. 
he just kind of sits around in the fields. And the mass farmer's like, well, he's pulling in a lot more crops than you guys, so he must be doing something. And he kept getting these complaints. And so one day he goes out to see what the heck is actually going on here. And he goes into the fields and sees uh, St. Isidore, like, enraptured in prayer, like, in ecstasy, you know, looking up at the heavens and praying to God. And uh, and Christ gave him, um, this master farmer, the ability to see that there were angels running through the fields, plowing everything for him and doing the work for him. And so he spent his days in prayer, and then angels came down and did all this work for him. <laughs> Whoa. It's incredible. Um, but there's great uh, peace <laughs> and, I think, consolation in that that I feel like, you know, my head's going to pop off some days working here because there's so much stuff. Um, but he's a great model for putting first things first and saying, you know, God, you get all of me from the eternal perspective. What's most important right now is that I devote myself to prayer and Christ kept him in that state and said, you still need to get your duties done, but I'm going to take care of them for you today. Mm -hmm. Um, now, you know, I, I don't, I've, I've not seen any angels running around doing all my work, but there are countless times where I'm like, I can't pray right now. You know, Ken's coming to my office and said, Hey, you want to go pray? I'm like, I got so much stuff to do. Like, you know what? I'm just going to go pray. And then I come back and somehow a few projects that I've been working on doors just open and they're taken care of. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't at Fulton Sheen that said like, uh, make sure you pray a holy hour every day. And if on busy days, make it two. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's huge. Uh, so I, I found a couple, couple, just a list of, of remedies that, uh, that one of the desert fathers in particular, Evagrius is his name. That's a good Uh, name. Yeah. You should probably not name your kid Evagrius. I'll try, but Claire will say no. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so anyways, long story short, he has this list of five remedies for Asadia. So one is, one he puts is tears. So tears, like just recognizing that you're in a really tough spot, that that, that this is a difficult place to be, and, and that uh, you're not going to be able to get, it, get out of it yourself. And just like e- expressing that sorrow to the Lord. Like trust, like just opening up your heart to him and recognizing, I want to want you, God, but I recognize in my heart that I don't want you. That's, that's one thing you can do. Wow. Um, number two, prayer and work. So like what we've been talking about, just focusing on what our duties are, our task at hand and doing it well and making sure that we live a consistent prayer life. So that those are really important. Uh, number three is, uh, is basically what Jesus does to the devil in the desert, which is uh, answer the devil with with scripture. So, like when we when we find ourselves kind of just, I don't really want to do this. Like, get behind me, Satan! Like, you know, cry out! Like, at, like let God speak through you in those moments, and just be a vessel, and like trust that like calling, invoking scripture is going to get you out of that bind. Mm. So, like you know, man does not live by bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You know, just so so you think honest. memorizing scripture then would be very helpful? And Yeah, I mean, it always is. I, I yeah. mean, it's the word of the Lord. So like having that a part of you so that you can call upon it in times of need, absolutely. Or if you're not good at memorizing, just write down those favorite quotes or open the Bible. Yeah. You know, even just, uh, just reading it daily, I find um, since I've incorporated Bible reading, you know, into, into my daily life, that stuff just comes back, you know, like in a moment when you need it, it's like a verse just pops in your head and yeah. it's like, Oh man, that brought me a lot of peace. All right. So number four 
There's is, more. Because uh, we're yeah, oh yeah, there's more. We're, and and we're running out of time. So all right. Uh, number four is meditation on death. So Ooh. memento mori. Just remembering that you are gonna die one day. Thomas More. He always kept a skull on his desk when he prayed, so that he oh. remembered. I was wondering I'm gonna why die. he had a skull in those photos. But think about it. Like if you don't feel like you desire God, remembering that you're gonna die is gonna call to mind that you need him. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. bottom line. And then last but not least is is also what we've been touching on is is perseverance, staying in your cell, staying put, don't run away, don't move on to the next thing because it's easier. You know, we're really good at that in today's culture is like, well, this got hard and boring, so I'm gonna move on to the next thing. So I'm gonna pull out my iPhone. Facebook, I don't have any notifications on Facebook, so I'm gonna open up Instagram. You know, that kind of thing. Well, and I think perseverance seems to be the like surrounding all of those suggestions that you made underlying them is perseverance. Like if, if you're struggling to be attentive at mass, keep going to mass. If you're struggling to pray for a period of time, keep spending time in prayer. Even if you have to set a timer for however long you usually pray and you're committing to that, even if you just sit there, you're still giving time to God. You know, it could be kind of fun is, uh, because when you read through all those, a million thoughts came in my head, and I thought we could do a podcast on any of those like <laughs> ways to combat it. If you're listening at home and one of those ways sounded interesting to you, send us an email, and we'll try to do a podcast on you know on what, whether it's keeping memento mori or one of the other ways. Um, shoot us an email; um, that'd be fun. Do you remember our email, Austin? Yeah, it's vichimundum1633 at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Are you impressed that I remembered? That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and I have another challenge for perseverance. This is this will be a good one. The next time you feel the the, the excruciating need to, to pull out your phone out of your pocket and check it, wait a minute. I love it. Ah! Or if it That's beeps. Good. Yeah. If it beeps. Yeah. Wait. Wait ten wait fifteen seconds longer. Oh, usual. it's gonna be agonizing. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna hate it. All right. I think that's about it for today. As that's always, fun. I like that topic. That's that's, good. It's it's something very close to my heart because I struggle with it. So yeah. um, wasn't as boring as I thought, I guess. Oh good. Yeah. <laughs> well anyway, any other thoughts before we rant? All right. Yeah. Well, uh everyone, thank you again for listening to Vichy Mundum. Uh, we're glad you tuned in. Um the make sure you rate us um, and write a review if you liked it. Ah, uh, yes, rate us on iTunes. That helps us somehow. Somebody found us randomly, which was kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray, pray for, for us. us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing their love of Christ with you. God bless you.